Yeah, I'm back. I took some time to rest, relax, recoup, to think, to be. But I've decided there's so much more I want to say. And I've remembered how much I need to talk to you. And so I'm back. And it's good to be here again. Hi, this is M. So today we're going to talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, monsters, and beasts. Let's start with the colloquialism. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. This has always been, to me, one of the strangest phrases. Because when you think about it, who on earth would do that? Uh, you know, we often bathe babies in a smaller tub because in a, a large adult-sized tub, there's too much water and they could drown. So we put them in a small tub, right, for their safety and for the ease of washing them to get them clean. And yet, the colloquialism is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We either become so careless with the baby that when we throw out the dirty water after bathing them, we also throw them out because we haven't taken care to remember to remove the clean baby from the dirty water. Or we decide that the baby is so dirty that it cannot be cleaned and thus is dirty just like the water and must be thrown out. It's an odd phrase to be sure. Someone said this to me a couple of days ago. Uh, I was referring to uh, my frustration with religious organizations, uh, my frustration with the Southern Baptist Convention to be more specific, um, and how we cannot seem in our local churches to be honest about what the denomination, what the convention that every church is connected to is doing. We cannot seem to be honest about our own sin, but we preach on Sunday pointing out everyone else's, especially the world's sin. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um... That's what they told me. You can't condemn every church. There are pedophiles in every church, to which I argued there more than likely are. Um, but that's another topic. <laughs> um, and they said, well, you're not going to change it. Yes, it's wrong, but you're not going to change it. And insinuated, maybe intentionally, maybe not, I have to be fair, that it was better not to speak of it. It was safer not to speak of it. And I'm not condemning this person, I'm just talking about a colloquialism. And they said, well, by not going, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I get what they're saying, and I don't disagree with it. 
They are right in one sense because there are good people in churches everywhere. And so by not going to organized religious congregations that we call church, um, I am in a sense throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That is true. Uh, So I I can't argue with that. And even uh, Jordan Peterson, which if you've listened to me, you know that I listen to him and and I think highly of him. Um, While many Christians do not and I argue it's simply because you misunderstand him but again that's another topic <laughs> um, and even Peterson says that we need to need to go to church um, for ourselves but also for the balance if there are not voices that speak out if the voices that speak out simply remove themselves then Where does that leave the church? The voices that speak out are necessary. Um, Just like antiseptic is necessary to clean a wound. But if you don't apply antiseptic or or soap of some kind, you risk, you have a greater risk of infection. Um, Now that's not what Peterson said, but those were my analogies. But Peterson did say that we do need to be going to church because we need to go and, and the church needs us there. And I don't disagree with that either. Um, so I stand on this fence of, yes, I understand that the church needs me there and I need to be around uh, those in the church who are fellow believers because I don't believe everyone in a church is a fellow believer, a part of the family, a brother or a sister. Um, but that's another rabbit trail. I have lots of rabbit trails. <laughs> um, I stand on the fence with that on one side and on the other side. How do, I, how do I be a part of something, a part of a group that promotes whether up front or in the background promotes abuse, male patriarchy, male dominance, and pedophilia. How do I how do I do that because scripture tells me to clearly to not associate with those people at all, to not break bread with them, to not associate with them, to not be around them, to not allow them in your life. And so how do I how do I how do I do that? And that's where I find myself trying to figure out what to do in this situation. Um, I'd like to tell you I have a solution, but I don't. But I do understand the phrase used, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I agree. I just have to figure that part out. And I will. And I think part of it is that I cannot silence myself in order to not be the antiseptic or to not apply the antiseptics. I'm not the antiseptic. Christ is. God's word is. But if I see a wound that's festering, I have I have the, the moral obligation to, to apply that antiseptic. Otherwise, if, if that person, entity, living creature, 
dies or is maimed because of that infection? Well, then I am responsible in part. Because I I did not do my part. I instead sought my own safety, which leads me to 1 Corinthians 13 and clearly tells me that that is not what love does. So, full circle, I would not be loving in failing to apply the antiseptic to a festering wound. I'm called beloving. Now, how I apply that antiseptic makes all the difference in how the the being, the creature, the living entity trusts me and accepts help. That is true. And it is no uh, secret that I do have to work on that daily. (coughs) And I have... uh, grown in that area and become quite a bit better at it than I used to be. Um, Throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which leads me to another thing that happened this week, and that's the resurgence of the talk of the Billy Graham rule. (sighs) The Billy Graham rule. Fewer things. (laughs) Creating me such great frustration as the Billy Graham rule. Now I won't go into detail to explain it in its entirety. I'll leave that to you. If you don't know what the Billy Graham rule is, you can look it up. You can look up its origin. You can look up its four rules and its tenets. And you can look up how uh, Mike Pence has yet again twisted that rule. Uh, and we have yet again swallowed the Kool-Aid. You can do all those things for yourself, or you can decide they're all good, and I'll let Christ deal with you the way he deals with me. Um, The Billy Graham rule, in essence, says that a man in ministry, men in general, should not ever, ever, ever meet alone with a woman. Now, when I explained this Billy Graham rule to the friend who also told me I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater, the response I got cut like a knife, in, in all honesty. Cut like a knife and, and, and a dull one at that. Because this friend said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds pretty smart, pretty wise. Now, it it won't take you long to realize that this friend I'm talking about is a male because no right-minded woman would ever say that's a good idea. A woman who swallowed the Kool-Aid, she will. Um, But a woman in her right mind would never say that. And here's why. We fail to put that rule into reality. We fail to see how that rule is nothing more than self-protection, which is again contrary to 1 Corinthians 13's definition of love. We fail to see how that rule is broken on the daily, if not more often, but we accept it without even thinking. We fail to see how this rule is subjective. 
and we fail to see how this rule puts women not only in danger, but in a situation where they have a complete lack of privacy in matters that are difficult. So let me explain. And if you've heard me talk about the Billy Graham rule before, I apologize to you for having to hear my thoughts again. Um, But I'm going to go anyway. (laughs) Billy Graham rule, how is it broken every day? Well, the rule says a man, especially a man in ministry, should never, ever, ever meet with a woman alone. Okay. To the men, I ask, and I asked this of my friend, and it made him stop and think, but he didn't really have an answer for me. Do you have a female dentist? I'll give you a minute. Do you have a female doctor? A female counselor? Do you have a mother-in-law? A sister? A daughter? And I can hear the pushback. Oh, but wait, those things are different. A daughter is different, that's family. And yes, I use the word family on purpose. I have a sister, but that's different, that's family. And I can hear the jokes about mother-in-laws, but the truth is, If you have any of those things, you have met with a woman alone and not thought twice about it. And there are so many more situations. A female teacher? I can go on. And maybe there are men who can say no to all those things. I say, do you have a mother? Well, but that's different. That's family. Well, that's my mother. And yet I can show you throughout history problems with mother-son relationships, sister-brother relationships, daughter-father relationships. Now let me explain to those who don't know why you're not supposed to meet with a woman alone if you're a man, and especially if you're a man in ministry. Here's the reason. It's semi-twofold. I say semi because it's not really in my mind, but some people would argue. And so I'll give credence to that. Because this woman might make sexual advances towards you as a male. To which I told my friend that is incredibly, hugely arrogant of the male of the species. To believe that any woman every woman would somehow make sexual advances towards you. That's arrogance. It's supremest. (laughs) Oh my. And yeah, I shake my head. The other reason is she might falsely accuse you of making advances toward her and thus ruin your ministry, ruin your reputation, Ruin your marriage. Ruin your relationships. Now this is why the Billy Graham rule 
was started because Billy Graham was a famous preacher, evangelist. And he didn't want anything ruining his career. I find that interesting and I pause for a moment and decide not to chase that rabbit. So, what we do when we imply, employ this rule is we automatically, if we were to follow this rule, and here comes my son, so give me a second. Um, so what we do when we employ this rule without thinking is hinder if not outright remove, if everyone were to follow it religiously, the opportunity for women to serve in roles as doctors, dentists, lawyers, counselors, teachers, and any other role we can think of where a woman might intentionally or inadvertently end up alone with a man. So men should stop going to doctors, dentists, lawyers, teachers, counselors, which thus hurts their financial stability, their career. But somehow that's okay. And then... We hinder our relationships with our daughters, with our sisters, with our mothers, be they biological, step, or mothers-in-law. Oh, we can meet with men, especially men in ministry, if there's a witness, and if it's a witness that the man provides. And yes, that is, that is the rule because it's the man who is to be protected. And this we call love. And this we call ministry. And this we call Christian brotherhood. And this we call family. And that's called a completely dysfunctional family. And it infuriates me to my core then I have a complete lack of privacy should I want to discuss something personal with my pastor. Should I want to divulge a personal need to a deacon? Should I want to sit and just spend time with my brother in Christ who I connect with? on a purely innocent brother-sister level, which I am still naive enough to believe is possible. But I seem to be one of the few Christians who who do. And that boggles my mind, because how am I supposed to... I don't know, when I talk to my brother, my biological brother, well, sexuality doesn't even come into the picture. Not once do I think... 
he's going to rape me or he's going to make sexual inappropriate moves on me. And I dare say he doesn't think that of me. No, my biological brother and I can sit and have conversations about anything and everything and we're all safe. So I don't quite understand how I'm supposed to act like this is my family, this body of Christ, when I am treated as though I'm a danger and a threat to the very body of Christ. This we call love. This we call family. Now true in history, recent or ancient, this has happened. Women have falsely accused men. I don't argue that point. And women have made sexual advances on men and men in authority because there's great power to be gained there for the woman. I don't argue that either. But aren't we throwing the baby out with the bathwater when we decide to treat all women as though they were seductresses? or scheming, manipulating liars out to destroy men? Isn't that throwing the baby out with the bathwater? And then there's the whole topic of how, how is it that men, Christian men, and especially men in ministry, have this inability to see women as anything other than sexual objects. Now, men would argue, oh, I don't see women as sexual objects, but when your first fear, your first notion of meeting with a woman just to talk turns into sexual danger for you or danger to your reputation because of sexual advances, Well, then I argue with you and say, you see her as a sexual creature. And so, yes, I hate this Billy Graham rule. And I will tell you, I have been subjected to this rule. And my response was, well, you bring your people for a witness and I will bring my people for a witness. And I was told that was not okay. And the meeting was canceled because I wanted to bring my own people. Do we see a problem here? I hope you do, because I certainly did. There was no need for me at that point to meet with this pastor. Complete lack of trust was then instilled in me. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater to preserve the one who's supposedly supposed to be cleaning the baby. They'd rather throw the baby, certain babies out than have to deal with the dirty water, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I'd say that colloquialism applies, absolutely. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Hmm. And this very ideology has removed women from spheres of service, from careers in the past and we have fought hard 
to make our way back there so that we can be doctors, lawyers, dentists, with respect, teachers, counselors. And yet we are still removed from service in the body of Christ. Because of our sexuality, something we were born with, Funny though, something males were born with too, and yet they don't seem to worry about how their sexuality affects others. But that's another rabbit trail. (laughs) Which leads me to the thought of slavery in antebellum times and the great restoration movement in the United States. The idea of womanhood And how certain women, black women, because of their state in society, were completely removed from this idea of womanhood and personhood. But because they knew that they were commodities, they changed the idea of womanhood so that they could be human and be women. Because the idea of womanhood could not be applied to them because they were commodities. And because of the things they had to do in order to be valuable commodities. If our definitions of womanhood removes any woman from the ability to fulfill it, it's not a proper definition. Because any creature born a woman, and yeah, I said it, and I don't back up from that. If you're born a woman, you innately have womanhood in you. So for a rule to remove that from you, it is wrong. And it is anti-God, anti-biblical, and evil. Because that's something God created you with. And once again, I just want to leave you with, I'm not saying I'm completely right on everything. I'm just hoping that you realize that maybe you might possibly might be wrong on a few things. It's time we got rid of the Billy Graham rule. It's damaging. It's selfish. It's self-protection. It's operating from a place of fear. And if you were at my church Sunday, you heard the sermon that said, perfect love casts out fear. And so I tell you, if you're using the Billy Graham rule, I think I can confidently say you are not loving. And the work of perfect love has not been completed in you because you are a fearful creature. It's God's job to protect your ministry. He gave it to you. He's the only one that could take it away from you. And if you're worried about a man, an institution, a religion, taking away your ministry? Well, you don't have a ministry, you have a career. And if you as a person are worried about your reputation, I dare say you're more the cause of danger to your reputation than any outside being or influence. Because discipline starts in the heart. And if you have discipline, and if you have love, 
you'll be able to see your sisters in Christ as human beings first, not sexual creatures who are either to be desired or treated as dangerous. Perfect love casts out fear. Billy Graham rule promotes it. It's anti-biblical. I call it out as evil. It is not wisdom, it's foolishness. It divides the body of Christ. It demeans human beings and disrespects them. And if you want to know how I can confidently say this is not of God, you show me one place in scripture where Jesus Christ failed to meet with a woman alone when given the opportunity. You show me one instance where he insisted on the Billy Graham rule with the woman at the well, with Mary or Martha, or any other woman he interacted with. No, he didn't hesitate to meet with them alone. He let them touch him. He let them be honest, upfront, and blunt with him. He let them be vulnerable, and he let them be strong. Jesus Christ is our example. So if you can find him using the Billy Graham rule, then by all means, you go ahead and do it too. But if you don't, you might want to ask why and rethink what you're really afraid of. Is it godly or is it worldly? Anyway, I could go on. There's so many thoughts rattling around in my head, but I'm going to cut you loose for today. I've gone long, and I just thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I'm not talking so I can be right. I'm talking so that maybe someone will listen. These things are important, vitally important. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you soon.